Welcome back to Your Haunted Holiday. I'm Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. And I'm really excited about this one, Lindsay. I am, you are too. We're both true crime lovers. Yes, this is going to be a good one. I mean, we are such fans of true crime that I was all excited this last week when I saw the Oxygen Network was doing Serial Killer Week, where it was like 24-7 serial killer shows. And oh, I got to yeah. say, I had a really hard time sleeping this week because that's like all I watched all week was serial killer programming. <laughs> it was good stuff too. I'm sad it's over. It's almost like the new, it's not Shark Week, Serial Killer Week. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. I love me some Shark Week, but I mean, anything true crime, I'm a big fan of. So if you're a true crime fan too, you're going to also really, really like this episode. Here's a little hint. Lizzie Borden had an act. She gave her mother 40 wax. And when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. This is your haunted holiday at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. All right, Lindsay, I know you know a little bit about the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. I mean, that is a very infamous name alone, Lizzie Borden, right? Definitely. But did you know that you could go stay at the actual house where these murders occurred? I didn't realize it until a friend of mine mentioned it to me a couple months ago. She actually, my friend Shelly, if you're listening, hey Shelly, um, she she recommended that we do an episode on this. And I know that you and I had talked a lot about it, but she said, you can go stay there. And that's the first I realized that this would be a contender for our show. Yeah, I know some paranormal investigators had been out there, but I didn't realize anybody could stay there. And I love how it's like this really ominous, like Lizzie Borden, but then followed by bed and breakfast. So it sounds right. so nice, right? Yes. It's a quaint, you know, romantic trip. Yes. But this is the actual home where these murders occurred. And if you do not know about these murders, I am going to get into this here in a bit of depth. And, you know, the big question is, was it Lizzie Borden who actually committed these crimes? Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about it. I have an opinion. I'm sure all of you guys will have an opinion at the end of this episode. So let's get right into it. So this crime happened on August 4th of 1892. And in this home, the bodies of Abby and Andrew Borden were found. And these, this just wasn't like a typical like murder. I mean, not that that's super typical anyway, right? But these bodies were either hacked or axed to death, Lindsay. And Andrew Borden had 11 hack marks to his head and Abby Borden was hacked 18 times also to the back of her head. So a really, really vicious personal crime is what it sounds like to me. And, you know, I said that little, you know, rhyme earlier in the opening of the show. And that's kind of like an exaggeration that happened because this crime was so well known at the time that, you know, they even made like schoolyard rhymes uh, to kind of talk about this as, as this legend that occurred. So it is exaggerated. It was only 11 times hacked and 18 times hacked, which is still a lot. Still 
terrible. And the fact that it was the back of her head makes me think maybe uh, somebody snuck up on her. Yeah, they do think that somebody probably did sneak up on her. They think that the first blow was probably to the side of her head where um, she may have just seen somebody out of the corner of her eye, thought nothing of it, and then boom, got hit to the head, right? Right, right. So I got to tell you, though, before you move forward, I mean, this is probably at least the third or fourth episode that we've done where people have been, what we would say, hacked to death. It's, it's happened multiple times. There is a trend here. Clearly, horrible murders and just tragic events cause hauntings. These spirits hang around. I mean, we did the Velisca Axe murder. I can't even... I can't even imagine. It just sounds awful, but hacked to death seems to be a haunted theme. It does. And hopefully, you know, they didn't even know what was happening at the time. I think these blows were pretty forceful. I don't know, you know, how much pain they actually felt, right? It could have been the first one that actually killed them, they think. So uh, let's talk about Lizzie Borden and her family a little bit. So Lizzie Borden was the daughter of Andrew Borden, who was the father that was killed in the home. And then her stepmom was Abby Borden. And she became Lizzie Borden's stepmom when Lizzie Borden was around the age of five. So like she had been her mom for most of her life. Her actual mom actually passed away when she was even younger at about two years old, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in the house at the time was Abby, the stepmom, Andrew, the father, Lizzie Borden, as well as the maid in the house, which they referred to as Maggie. It was kind of like a nickname, I guess, Mm -hmm. for the maid. So those were the four individuals that were actually in the house. The other person living in the house at the time was actually um, her sister. So Lizzie Borden's older sister was living in the house, but she was actually on a trip somewhere she wasn't even in town and then they actually had an uncle named john morse and he happened to be in town that week visiting them and then other relatives that were pretty close to there so that kind of sets up who was you know potentially at the place right so let's talk about lizzie borden and her stepmom let's talk about some motive here for a second okay because people think that lizzie borden did this and why do they think that she did it they think that she did it because her dad was a penny pincher and she wanted the money right there was a big incident that happened several years prior to this where her father who was a penny pincher he wouldn't buy her any of the fancy dresses that other people had he was wealthy by the way. Mm. They had a lot of money, but he wasn't willing to spend it. Gotcha. And so he had bought his wife's family members a home. And so Lizzie and her sister were like, this is ridiculous. This money is supposed to be going to us. You're not even getting us anything. And yet you're going to buy them who aren't even our blood, this home. Mm-hmm. So it created this big rift in the family. And it got to the point where Lizzie wouldn't even call her stepmom mom anymore. She would actually just refer to her as Mrs. Borden. 
mm. ever since then. So there was like some kind of bad blood stirring there. And, you know, Lizzie obviously did want some of that money. You know, they call her like a spinster if you watch some of these documentaries about her because mm -hmm. she was in her like kind of early 30s. She wasn't married at the time. You know, people don't, women especially, they don't move out of the family home until they get married. Right. So they referred to, so Lindsay, me and you would be spinsters back in the 1800s. <laughs> Living at home with mom and dad still. Oh my gosh, I can't even. Can you imagine? <laughs> yes. So that's where the bad blood starts, right? So the morning of the murders in 1892, like I said, the uncle was in town and the family actually went and they had breakfast in the kitchen, just kind of like their normal start of the day. The uncle was there, the dad, the mom. Lizzie did not go to breakfast that morning, although they don't know that she commonly did go to breakfast, right? Right. So they go there, John Morris, the uncle who, you know, I'll just throw out there. I'm not going to get into it in a lot of detail, but a lot of people suspect he's the one that may have done it. He's kind of like an alternate suspect, mm -hmm. although he had a pretty good alibi. He was actually visiting family members, you know, several miles away at the time. So he was kind of ruled out. He was out of the house, even though he was visiting at the time. So after they eat breakfast, the mother asked the maid, Maggie, to clean the windows. And then the mom, Abby, was going to go and make the bed in the guest room where John Morse, the uncle, was staying. So as this was happening, you know, a while later, you know, the maid is kind of cleaning up. The mom is, you know, making up the guest room. The father comes home and he hears Lizzie, you know, kind of laughing from the upstairs landing. Actually, the maid is the one that accounts to that. The father walks in. Lizzie is heard giggling from the upstairs landing, kind of in that same area where Lizzie's bedroom is, as well as the guest room where the mother is in. Lizzie comes downstairs, talks to her dad. He's like, where's mom? And she said something like, Oh, somebody sent a note for her to go visit a friend who's at the doctor. I think she went out for that. And then after further questioning, you know, she said something like, like he was asking, like, who sent the note? And she's like, I really have no idea. You know, she's just, she left. She got some kind of note. I don't know who it came from, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And this is all from account of the maid who kind of overheard it the conversation from the next room. So then at that point, the father decides, you know what, I'm gonna lay down, I'm gonna take a nap on this couch in the parlor room. So he lays down and then at the same time, the maid says, you know what, I'm gonna take a nap too. So the maid actually finishes cleaning the windows, goes upstairs, takes a nap. At this point, there's kind of a gap in time. So Lizzie claims that she was actually in the barn at the time looking for, you know, random stuff to go fishing with and, and that kind of thing. So she was in the barn for some time, according to her. She enters the house and as she enters the house, she notices that the screen door is open which she noted was kind of odd at the time. And she steps into the parlor and she screams, come downstairs, you know, somebody's come in the house and killed father. You know, mm -hmm. she's screaming, come down here. The maid hears this, comes running down the stairs and that's where they find Andrew Borden on the couch where he was taking a nap. 
with 11 hack wounds to the head. There's actually photos of the body that you can still go find online. And like his face is just completely bashed in. Horrible. Yes, really bad. So at this point, Lizzie Borden says to the maid, hey, go see, go, go grab a doctor, you know, that kind of thing. So the maid runs next door, gets the neighbor, and the neighbor comes back over. They're kind of like, call the police, you know, they're kind of in scramble mode. What do we do, right? At this point, the maid, I think this is an important point. The maid also makes note to the police that the dress Lizzie Borden was wearing when she was originally came down the stairs was a blue dress that was unstained so there wasn't like blood splatter that was visible you know when lizzie was right there at the crime scene Mm -hmm. and i think that's important because if you know the big thing here is if lizzie borden did do this let's say you hack somebody to death right like you're gonna get blood there's gonna be there's gonna be lots of blood no there's gonna be lots of blood and this is not like you know the clothing that they're wearing back in these days are not just like normal clothes right these are like dresses with corsets like it's a whole thing to like put on a new outfit right Mm -hmm. and so like that's one of the things that they talk about as being important like how would lizzie borden have had time to go change clothes so remember that point okay so you know the neighbor comes over and they say where's your mom and she says you know what i think i might have heard her come in while you guys stepped out she might have gone upstairs why don't you guys go check so the maid and the neighbor go up the stairs looking around also i would be very scared to do that because there's could be an axe murderer in the home exactly so they're looking around they walk into the guest bedroom where the mother was going to be making the bed and they see the feet of her body laying on the floor and that's where she was laying actually on her stomach and the back of her head took on the wounds wow This is Lisa, and are you ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime? You've heard me delve into the world of haunted travel, exploring eerie locations, and uncovering spine-chilling tales. And now I'm thrilled to announce the launch of something very special to me, which is my own travel agency, brought to you by Your Haunted Holiday. As our listeners know, I'm not just passionate about haunted travel, I live and breathe it. From researching the most haunted destinations to planning unforgettable journeys, I'm here to make your travel dreams a reality. Whether you're seeking the thrill of a haunted location or craving a getaway to somewhere a little less spine tingling, I've got you covered. And here's the best part, my services are absolutely free. Let me put my travel skills to good use by helping you plan the perfect escape. Simply visit yourhauntedholiday.com and click on the Travel Agency by Lisa link at the top of the page in the menu. So where will your next adventure take you? Let's make it a journey you'll never forget. Contact Your Haunted Holiday Travel Agency today and let's start planning. Your adventure awaits.
Okay, so we talked about the day of the crime, right? Now, at first, nobody actually suspected Lizzie Borden. Like, who would suspect this young lady who was, you know, a, a member of society, a member of her church, like very active to have hacked her stepmom and her father to death, right? Like that seemed really, really far-fetched. But right. the police started looking into her pretty quickly. And the, some of the evidence, you know, the main evidence that they were looking at were First of all, she had a lot of conflicting stories. When they were asking her, like, where were you during this time? She conflicted a lot about where she was going to the barn, exactly what she was looking for. So mm -hmm. that kind of started to raise some red flags with the police. Also, the following day, she actually burned a dress in the fire and her friend was the one that told the police this it was like her best friend that she would like tell everything to it was like uh lizzie burned a dress the other day right? highly unusual highly unusual now lizzie claimed that it and she even told her friend this there's paint on this dress i've been meaning to get rid of it forever and her friend was like yeah you probably shouldn't have done that that seems very suspicious like her friend even told her right is it red paint more like I, red blood i don't know if it what color the paint was but she claimed it was paint the other thing that i found kind of interesting was that and this is damning lindsay there was a pharmacist that came to the police and said listen the day before these murders lizzie borden came into my pharmacy and was requesting this specific type of acid that's commonly used for poison and she claimed she was going to use this acid to like clean off some of her like cloaks or dresses or something like that but he actually refused to sell it to her hmm. and there were several other witnesses in the pharmacy that also said yep lizzie borden was here trying to buy poison and then the following day people die wow what so, are the odds i know that is really damning evidence multiple witnesses too right and you know what see what to me is one of the most damning pieces of evidence i think i think the pharmacy is very damning but i also think um you know when the medical examiner was looking at the bodies of the mother and the father they noticed that like the father like the blood from his head was like actively still dripping like it had just happened now mm -hmm. upstairs with the mom that blood was already starting to dry out. So they think that that murder actually happened like an hour and a half before the father. Right. So to me, it's like she had the opportunity, right? And that was one of the prosecution's biggest things is like, who's just waiting around this house for an hour and a half for this dad to like lay down and take a nap so I can, you know, chop him up with this ax, right? Right. Like, she knew she was also upstairs remember she was heard giggling upstairs when the father arrived home mm -hmm. then she comes down talks to the father the father says i'm gonna take a nap maid goes to sleep and suddenly the father's dead the giggling is like maniacal scary okay yes and here's the other thing if that axe person was there 
um, why did they kill the other people? Guess who had a motive to kill those two specific people? Someone who was going to get money at the end of the day. Right. It's their whole argument is there's motive, which is the money, right? Mm -hmm. And if the the stepmom's out of the way and the father, guess who's going to get the money? Lizzie and her sister. And her sister's out of town. Right. And the opportunity. Okay. So the prosecution, I got to say, like, I mean, I think she probably did it based on that. But let's talk about what the defense said, okay? So Lizzie Borden, had her family had a lot of money. They just didn't spend it, you know, very lavishly. But she spent her money on some amazing lawyers, okay? She got the best lawyers money can buy. And, like, these lawyers really did an amazing job, okay? First of all, think about this. Not only were they good lawyers, Lizzie, but one of the head lawyers that she hired was the former governor of Massachusetts, and he actually appointed the judge who ended up overseeing the trial of Lizzie Borden. So there was a lot of decisions made over the course of this trial that they think were probably biased based on that connection between the judge and the defense attorney, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to the conflicting stories that she was telling about where she was at the time, where she, what she was trying to get, the defense actually got that thrown out. And what they said was, you know, she was being medicated. They were giving her morphine because of these traumatic events that have occurred to her parents. Like anybody, you know, they're drugged up. Of course, they're going to have conflicting stories, right? So that was the first big thing that they did. They got that evidence completely thrown out. So the jury didn't hear anything about any conflicting stories. Oh, they didn't even present it. Big. The next thing that the defense got thrown out was the poison story about the pharmacist. Really? This is crazy to me. So, like, this judge basically said it wasn't related to the same method of death. So, like, she was that would be poison, they got hacked to death, so not related, and it was on different days, so therefore we're gonna throw that evidence out. Whoa, like that's that doesn't seem like typical precedent. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but it I could be wrong. Wild. It seems, yeah, it seems out there. Yeah, it seems pretty wild. So anyways, this judge ended up throwing that out as well, right? So huge win for the defense. Jury's not gonna hear anything about that pharmacy and the poison buying story. Their star witness was actually Lizzie Borden's sister, who has, until her dying day, insisted Lizzie Borden could have never done such a horrible thing. She isn't this type of person. And she was the last witness to testify, and she brought up the dress, because the dress being burned was one of the biggest points that the prosecution brought up. And she said, you know what? I know for a fact that dress had paint on it before I even left town. I had been telling her that she needs to get rid of this dress for weeks. And she finally just happened to do it. It was just a very inopportune time. And it looked kind of shady, but it really wasn't. Wow. It's like, let me get some chores done. My parents were just murdered here. Let me, you know what I'm going to do instead of, (laughs) instead of just throwing something away, you know what? I'm going to go burn it. Because I have all that kind of energy to go start a fire. I mean, I'm leaping here a little bit, but come on. Like, it's ridiculous. It's a lot. It's a lot. 
So um, the other piece of evidence that they brought up, and I thought this was really interesting too, was like the week leading up to this murder, the entire family was super sick. And the mom, Abby, had actually mentioned to her friend, like, you know, I think we might be getting poisoned or something like that. I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And even Lizzie, was complaining to her friend, I think it was even the night before the murder, like, our whole family's sick. I'm worried that it's like our family's enemies are poisoning us or something. And I'm too scared to even like go to sleep at night. I'm I'm sleeping with one eye open, is what really? she told her friend. So apparently they had some enemies. I wanna know, like, you know, there's people I might dislike in this world, Lindsay, but I've never like thought somebody might be poisoning me. Like what kind of enemies you got that multiple people in your family are concerned about this? No kidding. Not only that, but typically I would think I'm no expert, but I watch a lot of true crime. Like we said in the beginning, typically poisoning. It's somebody like within the household doing this. It's, it would be very difficult to poison someone consistently even for like a, a period of days where people are feeling sick right you don't live there or you're not staying there so right. maybe the uncle but maybe but you know my theory nah. is i wonder if lizzie borden was poisoning them the whole time and it was taking too long she got refused at the pharmacy and she decided i've had enough i'm just gonna go in there with a hatchet 100 percent I think that's, I mean, that sounds very dark, but I think that's totally what happened. Absolutely. It's, yes. The other thing is the conflicting stories, typical of someone who's guilty. She found the body initially, typical, very yeah. typical of someone who's guilty. She has a motive. And also like when they had discovered the dad and they're like, hey, did your mom, where's your mom? And she's like, I thought I heard her maybe go upstairs. Like, wouldn't right. you be like, mom, oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened. You wouldn't just like let her walk up the stairs right. by yourself and, when an ex murderer might be in the house. Uh, right. And what's with the lie about her having to go somewhere? She got a note about something. Is that even a real thing? That's the other thing. They could not figure out like who wrote this note. Like her story conflicted on that note as well. And they even, as part of their defense, they actually put out a reward, like to, you know, kind of like have good press for Lizzie Borden. Like, hey, we have this reward. I think it was like 5,000 bucks, which was a lot, you know, back in those days. You know, if somebody can come forward with who made this note, you know, we'll pay. And of course, nobody did come forward, you know, to claim right. that reward because nobody actually probably wrote that note. Of course, she made it up. I Let me just say too, I can't tell you that if I was on the jury, I would have found her guilty. You know, I'm all about giving someone a fair trial, you know, and trying not to jump to conclusions. But I can tell you my opinion is that the odds are very high she did this. I agree. And you got to take into consideration too, right? The jury didn't hear the evidence about the conflicting stories. The jury didn't hear the evidence about the poison and the pharmacist right? Mm -hmm. That was all thrown out. So what they heard was pretty limited and it was all circumstantial at that point. So right. that's something you have to remember too. The other thing is, you know, the defense wasn't just about that evidence. A lot of it was about putting on a show in the courtroom. And so, you know, they want Lizzie Borden to look like this upstanding member of society, like this very dainty woman, you know, during opening arguments, Lindsay, Lizzie Borden like swooned and had this big dramatic like fainting spell and was like 
passed out in the courtroom, right? (laughs) Now, she fainted then, but she didn't faint when she found her dad dead in the parlor room. And she didn't even seem like that shook up, right? Oh my goodness. I don't, there's a time to faint. That would be the time. Right. She fainted one other time in the courtroom. And this was kind of crazy. They actually like exhumed her parents' bodies and then removed the skulls and boiled the skin (gasps) off. No. I swear to you, the prosecution did this, boiled the skin off and like bleached them so they'd be like the clean white looking skull that you see in movies and stuff. And then they compared it to this hatchet that they found in the basement to kind of show like, look, these are the the breaks in the skull Mm -hmm. and this is the hatchet. And they kind of like showed, did like a comparison of what they thought the murder weapon was to the injuries. But they used like the actual skulls. And then, then at that point, she also had like a big fainting spell, but I kind of don't blame that because right. if you didn't do it, like your parents' skulls have been like, their skin has been boiled off and they've been brought into the courtroom. Jeez, that's like the worst thing ever. Yeah. I don't blame her for that. <laughs> I know. That's horrible. That sounds horrible. It's horrible that we're laughing about it, but ugh. Yes. Terrible. So the jury actually deliberated for 10 minutes, but they waited about an hour to come out and relay their verdict, which is crazy. 10 minutes. And of course they found her not guilty, right? That's so wild to me, Lindsay, because I was on a jury, which by the way, everybody, I was like so excited to be on on jury duty. I've never, like people thought I was crazy. I was so excited. And um, when I was on jury, I was also the four person of the jury, but it took us several hours and the case was not nearly as complicated as this. Like we had to go back and forth on different things. Like it was not like a 10 minute deliberation. Right. What year did this all go down? 1892. 1892. Okay. Yep. And so she was found not guilty. It was headlines in Massachusetts, all across the country, right? She um, left. She was a bit of like an infamous celebrity. The town where this all took place was in Fall River, Massachusetts. And so she decided she wanted to go back to Fall River. But like the whole town pretty much shunned her. They were like, we think you're guilty of this. Like, we don't want any part of it right like she tried to go back to church and they wouldn't take her you're potentially capable of some horrific things i mean right she did not go back to the original home with her newly inherited money you know now she's not guilty she actually bought a house Mm -hmm. where all the rich people in Fall River, Massachusetts buy their house, where she's always been envious of those homes because she knew we could afford it as a family. But her dad was too much of a penny pincher to actually buy one of those extravagant homes on the hill. Gotcha. So we just covered way more crime than we normally cover. This has been kind of a true crime-ish episode, more so than we normally have, that's for sure. Right. Um, But let's get into the hauntings, right? Now, there's not like a ton of like very specific ghost stories at this location. But as you said at the top of the show, Lindsay, people got hacked to death in this house. Like it's haunted okay <laughs> and hacked to death being the keyword here oh yes it is definitely haunted and even if let's say it's not let's say you go to this place and you don't experience anything okay 
I think it would be still scary as hell. Like, oh my gosh, 100%. You could be staying in the room, the bedroom where the mom was found. Okay. <sighs> like, that is a room you can stay in. It's not like a, a roped off museum room. No, you can literally stay in that room. Wow. That's some scary stuff. I mean, yeah. Yes. So I think regardless of hauntings, it's scary. But of course, you know, it's got to be haunted, right? Must be. It must be. So some of the main areas um, where you're going to want to look for paranormal activity. I mentioned that guest room where Abby Borden was found. Today, they actually call it the John Morse room, which is the name of the uncle who is staying in the room Mm -hmm. um, the week of the murder. So if you're looking on their website, you're going to want to look for the John Morse room. And actually on their website, I mean, they are all about the paranormal and the hauntings and the story about what happened. Like, So they embrace their history and their haunting. 100%. Like, that's what it's really all about, right? And so, you know, when you're going on there, if you forget the name John Morse room, it will give you, this is where Abby was murdered. You know, like it says that there. So it's easy to determine. No decoding here. They'll let you know. They'll let you know. It's very easy to see. The other place, of course, is the parlor room where Andrew Borden was found um, after he was taking his nap and was murdered, as well as the basement, Uh, the basement of the home. It's, you know, it's just kind of like an old, dark basement. It's not like a a finished basement by any means. And that's actually where they found what they thought might be the murder weapon, the actual hatchet. Um, That is where they found it. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that you're going to want to look for, cold spots are really known around here. Shadow people are seen pretty often, especially in the parlor room. You're also, Lindsay, you're going to love this. People t- sometimes feel strong emotions of either happiness or sorrow. Wow. Okay. I mean, you just never know. I know I'm a skeptic on some of these things, but I'm also not a psychic or a medium or anything like that. Exactly. I'm not either. Right. But I just always find that funny. I mean, right. hey, I, I sat in the chair where, you know, I get it. Yeah. Right. Like I, I kind of want it to happen to me so I could stop being skeptical about it. Cause I think that's what it takes sometimes is you have it happen right. and then you're like, oh my gosh. I believe it now. Right? There's so much more than we that we just don't even understand. Yeah, exactly. Um, in the master bedroom, there's actually a photo of Andrew uh, Borden, and next to the photo, a lot of people like leave pennies and quarters and little coins and stuff. And as you know, Andrew Borden was a penny pincher, and they claim that if you steal like a penny from that or one of the coins that you will actually get scratched. Like Andrew Borden Ooh. will like physically attack you. Would you take a penny from it? You bet I would take a penny from really? it. Really? You would? I don't know. I don't want to get scratched. 100%. I mean, God, what's a scratch? Come on. I would <laughs> like to experience it. I want to prove it to be real. <laughs> what's the scratch? I hear you. I, I agree. I feel like there's some hardcore ghost hunters out there that would be like, uh, yeah, I'd take that penny. I'm not a hardcore ghost hunter, but I'm taking the penny. I want to see yeah. if something, I just want to see, I want to test it. Maybe I'd wait until like the end of the trip a little bit. Like I wouldn't want to spend like eight more hours in the place getting scratched, but like right. scratch, eh, that's not that big of a deal. 
All right. So some other things to look for. So in the guest room where Abby Borden was murdered, you will actually sometimes be pushed or like the feeling of being kicked in the back, which I think is kind of interesting. Okay. Because I think because the back of her head was bashed in, Mm -hmm. I think she probably got pushed down to the ground from her back. Maybe, you know, and it's kind of like a recurring of that incident happening. That's definitely possible. Maybe she got kicked down and then she proceeded to uh, get hit in the back of the head with an axe. Oh my gosh. Yes. Horrible. The other thing that you will hear in the house is women weeping. Like the sound of like a woman like crying, very, very sad and like kind of sobbing. You'll hear muffled conversations kind of like in different rooms of the home. Um, And then objects move by themselves. Now, there are three people that they think are probably haunting this place. Of course, the two victims, right? Andrew and Abby Borden. But they also suspect that Lizzie Borden may also be haunting the place. I mean, she has a lot of history there. It it would make sense. And a, a seriously traumatic event in her life, I'm sure. I mean, whether she caused it or not was a significant event in her life, I should say, happened. You know, and sometimes people are redrawn back to these these locations, even yeah. if they didn't die there. We talked about the Velisca Axe murder house and how the murderer there is probably still haunting that place. And that murderer didn't die in that house, right? They, right. they got away. They never found out who did that. So I, I think it's totally possible that somebody could come back to a place where they just have that history and are so tied to it. Absolutely. All right, so those are the main things that you want to look for. And maybe you'll get scratched by Andrew Borden while you're there if you steal some of his money. If you're lucky. If you're kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's talk about what you could do there. Like I said, if you go to the website, it is all about Lizzie Borden, the whole story. There's tours galore. And of course, you can actually stay the night there because it's a bed and breakfast, which I think is really cool. So they have what they call paranormal nights, okay? And it's a maximum of 20 people, but you order your tickets on their website, right? So if this is something that you're interested in, you're going to want to go to their website and you're going to want to check the dates that they have. When I checked today, they had a few different dates available, okay? So you're going to want to check that ahead of time because it's not something that they do every night. So these paranormal nights are 6.30 p.m. to 11 p.m. They include tour guides that are going to, you know, give you the whole spiel. They include equipment for you to use, as well as light snacks and beverages. Ooh, that sounds nice. Yeah, I mean, it does sound nice, right? (laughs) And you're going to go and get the whole spiel and all the ghosts. And that's only, I mean, it's $50 a person, which I think is a little pricey, but... I mean, it is the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. That's not bad. And yeah, and you get food. I mean, yeah. that's not a terrible deal. And the equipment. And they're going to, you know, give you all of the information that you need to be able to use that, which I think right. is kind of neat. If you just happen to be in the town of Fall River and maybe you want to go on like a quick tour of the place, they have those seven days a week. Now, I will say, obviously, we have, you know, this crazy pandemic going on right now. So it is closed right now. Right. But keep keep track of their website. You know, as we start to get out of this thing, 
You know, this might be a, a fun thing to do in an afternoon. So it's seven days a week and it runs 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. and they run a tour every hour. There's no reservation required. You can literally just show up 15 to 10 minutes before the next tour is getting ready to start and buy your ticket and, and go. The tour itself is $22 for adults and then it goes, you know, it's a little bit less for children and that kind of thing, but that's your standard price. Now, if you are staying at the bed and breakfast, you actually get a complimentary tour that's part of your stay. And it's actually a longer tour. It's about an hour and 30 minutes. Um, so you get a more comprehensive in-depth tour if you actually decide to stay there. Now, the, the prices for the room. So you can actually stay in Lizzie Borden's bedroom and Ugh, nobody I, I know nobody was murdered there but i mean that gives me she's shivers. there but she's there <laughs> exactly <laughs> that gives me some shivers just thinking about it um lizzie borden's room is like 275 dollars a night okay okay um some of the other random rooms in the place are about the same price range about 250 dollars a night um, and that's typically for two people. If you're adding like a third, they might have like an additional $75 fee on there kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the guest room that Abby was found killed in, the John Morse room, that one is $300 a night. So they didn't like jack up the price massively. Right. And these rooms, by the way, the whole house has been like masterfully redecorated to look exactly like it did in 1892 wow. some of the furniture is original some of it isn't but it is almost like exact exactly the same do the accommodations look comfortable they do look comfortable but it also looks like it would in 1892 i mean like there's lace everywhere there's okay. also like pictures of the bodies like oh. yes they have like in the room where abby <laughs> abby borden was murdered there is a picture of her dead body and her hacked up head like there on like the dresser horrible horrible yes they're fully embracing the whole situation clearly so they're embracing it. I mean, look, it looks nice, but it also looks like creepy AF. I mean, it oh looks nice God. with pictures of dead bodies around. So, I mean, right. you'll you'll be comfortable. It, so this sounds like a place you, you're going to ghost hunt and you're going to be fairly comfortable. It's not going to be dirty. It's probably pretty well kept, probably fairly comfortable. But is it going to be your typical fancy, nice hotel room? Probably not that either. I mean, you're going to have pictures of dead bodies in there, so be prepared. Right. It's no Holiday Inn Express, right? It's, but I'm, it's no Holiday Inn Express. I'm sure there's one right down the street for you to hop into. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you need to leave in the middle of the night, you know, if you hear a whistle in your ear or anything like that, I mean, there's probably one nearby. There always are. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, the other thing that I thought was interesting was that you can rent out, like, they have some interesting ones on their website options for this, like, you can rent out an entire floor, like the entire third floor you can rent. You could also rent the whole house. I didn't see the price for that. I'm sure you'd have to reach out to the to them to say, hey, I have 20 of my friends. We're renting the Lizzie Borden house this weekend. And you could do that. How cool That'd would be that something. be? That if would be something. If I win the lottery, like we might have to make a stop. Like that would be cool. Like let's rent it for a weekend. 
if if one of us won the lottery, we would be going to a lot of different places. We'd be oh. going like back to the Stanley. We'd go to the Queen Mary. I mean, oh my goodness, I'd be, I'd go to the Old Angel Inn. I mean, I'd be traveling all over the place. Oh, I know. Me too. Maybe not the Sally House. Definitely the Lizzie Borden <laughs> Bed and Breakfast. I, I wanted to go to the Crescent Hotel. Yes. We were going to yeah. go there this spring. But because of the pandemic, we weren't able to make that happen, unfortunately, because we what we want to do is do like an update episode where, you know, we can reference you back to that episode to learn about it if you haven't already listened to it. But then we'll talk all about our stay. So once this pandemic is over, everybody, we actually have some trips lined up ready to go. So hopefully we will get out of this soon. All right. So you heard all about the Lizzie Borden house, all about the murder, how she was acquitted and the hauntings and and what you need to do in order to book a room. Um, We want to thank everybody for listening. Please make sure if you're listening to us on Apple, you subscribe and give us five stars. Uh, Please also feel free to reach out. We're open to all kinds of ideas. If it fits the show, we might just uh, do an episode on what your suggestion is. You can reach out to us at our website, yourhauntedholiday.com. We've got our email address and everything on there along with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages. So you can find us all over the place. Come come check us out. Thank you everybody so much for listening and stay healthy.